One of my pet peeves, one of the things that drives me crazy in the Christian community is when people use the term spirit-filled to describe or to delineate between different types of Christians. I don't know if you've ever heard people talk that way, but people have a tendency to say, well, listen, I go to a spirit-filled church. Or they may ask, do you go to a spirit-filled church? Or is your pastor spirit-filled? Or is your worship leader spirit-filled? And somehow uh, the implication by using that terminology is that there's two levels of Christianity. You have those that are spirit-filled, and somehow being spirit-filled separates you from others that are, I guess, not spirit-filled. And so I don't know necessarily what they have in their meaning by that, but I do know that it hurts us understanding the idea of being spirit-filled. It's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. And I hope and pray that every church, by its definition of being a church, is spirit-filled. I hope every pastor, every worship leader, every uh, person that is leading and directing worship is spirit-filled. To, to say that they're not would be to say that they have never accepted Jesus Christ. Because you see, I think the, the problem comes is the, the terminology gets confused because we really don't understand what it means to be spirit-filled. And we talked a little about this last week. This idea of of being filled with the Holy Spirit as if it is something that that we come week in and week out to get. When in reality we learned last week that the moment that you became a Christian, the moment that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You get all of Him. You don't get some of Him. You don't get a portion. You don't get a down payment or a deposit. You get all of Him. And it's all that you'll ever need in life. You don't need a second blessing or a third blessing. Or you don't need some kind of emotional encounter where you're going to get more of the Holy Spirit. You don't need to seek after trying to have or obtain more of the Holy Spirit. Because you have it all. The question of being filled with the Holy Spirit is not you getting something more. It's the Holy Spirit getting more of you. For you see, being filled with the Holy Spirit means you completely surrender every area of your life. It means you die to self. It means you step back and allow the Holy Spirit that is living inside of you to have His way in every area of your life. See, it's not some one-time, you know event that that happens at at church or happens when you come down and pray. Dying to self, being filled with the Spirit is you allowing day to day, moment by moment, God's truth and God's Word to reveal things in your life that you need to get rid of. And as you get rid of them, the Holy Spirit comes in and fills those places. And that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. So when someone says, are you filled with the Spirit? Or do you have the Holy Spirit? All of us need to recognize that we do. But the question is, are we really filled? Because in our passage last week, Paul told us that as Christians, we have got to seek to allow the Holy Spirit to have everything. That's where God's power is released. That's where our prayers begin to make a difference. That's where churches begin to see change. Because you see, being spirit-filled isn't just for individuals. It is for churches. But it's not some kind of charismatic experience. And and I'm not putting that down. Please hear me. I, I love all styles of worship and I love all expressions of worship. But for us to say that one kind is more spiritual than the other is wrong. 
You see, a spirit-filled church is a church where the individuals in the church have so died to self and so given of themselves and are so free in the Holy Spirit that when they gather together in worship, the Holy Spirit's presence and power is so overwhelming. It is almost tangible. You can almost feel it in the way that they worship. And see, Paul today, as he continues where we left off last week, talking about being filled with the Spirit, is going to talk about one aspect of that tangible feeling of a Spirit-filled church. How can you register, how can you recognize when we are walking Spirit-filled and and when churches are walking Spirit-filled? But the terminology I I, I told you first, Spirit-filled has so many loaded things. I'm going to call it controlled with the Spirit. Because that's really what the interpretation is. And being filled with the Spirit means that you are under the control, or as we learned last week, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We read the passage last week, Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to dissipation, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the word there is be under the influence, under the control of the Holy Spirit. And he talked about wine, he talked about alcohol in the sense that it is something that you get under the influence of. He says instead of being under the control or under the influence of wine to the point that you no longer have control, why not be under the influence, under the control of the Holy Spirit where you have no control? And he's going to, this morning, begin to explain how someone who is under the control of the Holy Spirit lives their life. And the whole rest of Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, he's going to start talking about relationships, and we've been building up to this. He's going to talk about husbands and wives and parents and children and co-workers. All of that precipitates you being filled with the Spirit, being under the control of the Holy Spirit. Because you see, if you're not under the control of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be the kind of husband you need to be. You're not going to be the kind of wife. You're not going to be the kind of parent. You can try it in your own strength. You can try it in your own power. You can try it with your own effort. But if you are not willing to step back and let God have control of you and let God lead you and God direct you and God convict you, then you're never going to see victories the way he describes here in a moment or here in the next couple of weeks as we look at marriage and we look at relationships. But So this morning he's starting us out slowly by talking about what someone who is under the control of the Holy Spirit looks like. He really describes it. Listen with me. I'm going to go back and read 18 because it sets the tone. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. And then he says this in verse 19. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, and always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this passage sounds a whole lot like Colossians, because in Colossians 3, Paul says almost the exact same thing. The exact same blueprint that he lays out to the church in Colossians, he lays out to the church at Ephesus. And it's the same message for us. He is saying someone that is controlled by the Holy Spirit, someone who has stepped back and lets the Holy Spirit have every area of their life and is empowered by God, is going to speak to one another with hymns and spiritual songs and psalms. And they are going to sing with joy. To the Lord. He says this in Colossians 3 Let the word of God dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. Now, when you first read that, go back and look at it again. Look at at verse 19. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, at first glance, that kind of sounds like it's a musical, doesn't it? 
Am I the only one that got that? I, I, I read that when I was a kid and I thought God is telling us to speak to one another as if, you know, we're in a musical, I guess. I guess a church that is under the control of the Holy Spirit, they're going to sing to one another. You know, I, I'm a huge musical fan. Maybe that's why I got that. But I'm a huge musical fan. I remember a couple of years ago going to see La Miz, and, and I saw it on Broadway. And, uh, going into the theater, I loved going into the theater to watch people's faces that didn't know it was going to be a musical. Because they're sitting there and they're waiting for dialogue and dialogue is never coming because all they do is sing to one another. I love it. I remember a couple of years ago we took one of our small groups, a bunch of us from a small group, went to see the, the movie, the musical Rock of Ages. And uh, we had all gone and the kids had babysitters and we got into the theater and we sat down and everybody had popcorn in their Cokes. And now we had the whole row of our small group here at the church and we're sitting there and, and all of a sudden the, the movie starts and it starts out singing and they're singing to one another and the person sitting next to me just got up. And they got up and left. And I thought, maybe they're sick. Maybe something's wrong. So I got up and followed them out. And I, I was like, what's wrong? Is everything okay? He says, I don't do musicals. <laughs> I said, it just started. We don't even know if it's a musical. You, it may be, you know, you need to come back and listen. And it may, no, I don't do musicals. Music? Nope, I'm out. And I wondered as we look at this, he says, See, speak to one another with these kind of things. I, I, can you imagine a church that, that took this to heart and applied this literally? Can you imagine visiting a church like that? I mean, you walk in the door and they're like, blessed be the name of the Lord, right? And they start singing to you. That'd be kind of cool, I think, right? But that's not what he's saying here. Something really even more deep than singing to one another all the time. Because you see in the verse he says, before he talks about singing, he says we are to speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now before we dive into that and what that means, I want to just make sure you understand, he is talking about aspects of worship here because we're going to be gathered corporately, but he's not talking about worship because worship is so much more than what we do on Sunday morning. So many times when we talk, when pastors use the term worship, we think about what we do in here. This is just one aspect. This is our corporate worship. Worship is you ascribing worth to God in everything that you do. And what Paul is saying is, is that part of our worship, an element of our worship is how we speak and how we sing. And he's going to let us know that this is vitally important to us as Christians and to the church. It's vitally important for a church to be healthy, that they speak to one another this way, but also that they sing. Now keep that second part in your back pocket because I'm going to come back to it. Now, now, I've shared with you before, and I want you to remember that I've said that technology is an incredible tool in churches today and for churches today, but it, it is just a tool. You know what it amazes me that today that any person that wants can go and listen to the greatest Bible teachers, the greatest preachers, the greatest scholars just by clicking a button. I mean, they podcast. And streaming videos are unbelievable. They're incredible. I, we have over 100 people that listen to us every week which amazes me that people would take the time. I don't even like listening to me. And so that people would come and listen to us on a weekly basis. I listen to three or four podcasts. I listen to Andy Stanley every week. I go and I watch and, and I listen to him and I take notes because they're great Bible teachers. But my fear is that so many believers today are allowing that to become a substitute for gathering together with the body of Christ in worship. And it cannot be a substitute. 
Because we talked about all through the book of Ephesians is that you and I were created to live in community and to worship in community. And you get so much out of being with other believers on a week-in, week-out basis. And you give so much. See, people here need you and you need them. And you may not recognize it. You may not understand it. But you can't get that by listening to a podcast. You can't get it by watching something on television or sitting in your living room. See, Paul is encouraging us that we have got to learn to communicate one to another because we need each other. And he starts by talking about the way that we speak to one another. Now, all through Ephesians chapters 3 and 4 and 5, Paul has been talking about unity in the body of Christ. And and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because he's covered it so well. And part of that unity is how we learn to communicate one to another. Instead of talking at each other, instead of talking about each other, we need to learn to talk to one another. And he says, and when you do talk to one another, speak truth, speak love, speak grace, uplifting, encouraging. See, it's kind of hard for you to gossip about somebody when God's songs and God's worship is on your lips, isn't it? Kind of hard for you to pull down someone and tear somebody down when you're thinking of the Psalms, when you're thinking of the words, let it be Jesus, and those words are resonating in your heart. It's real tough as those words are resonating in your spirit for you to walk out the door and begin to destroy somebody with your words. See, what Paul is encouraging us is we have to learn to speak to one another in truth with the Word of God. Doesn't mean we walk around quoting verses. Doesn't mean you walk around quoting songs, which that's not bad. Sometimes what God's Word says is a lot more encouraging than what you have to say. But he is saying, use that as a tool. Use it as a guideline. Use that as the rails on you, the, which you stay when you speak to other believers. Lifting each other up, encouraging one another, speaking the truth to one another. It says our speech should be full of these truths that are found in the Word of God. He said, speak to one another with all hymns and songs, spiritual songs. But then there's the second part. And this is the part that I want to spend the most time on this morning as we rest of our time, because I think it gets overlooked. What does he say at the end of verse 19? He says, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. I remember reading a story about a mother that had got a baby grand piano for her daughter for her birthday so that she could learn to begin to play the piano. Some of you, many of you had moms that wanted you to play the piano, didn't you? Did any of you have moms make you take piano lessons? I mean, most of ours. I remember I had to take piano lessons. I, I, little bitty fingers, left-handed, there's no way. But this mom got a baby grand piano to help her daughter, and and she was going through lessons. And a couple of weeks later, a friend came over and said, listen, how are the lessons going? How's it all going with the piano? And the mom, looking rather discouraged, said, well, I, I switched her over to the clarinet. And the friend said, switched her over to the clarinet? You bought this whole piano. Why in the world would you switch her over to the clarinet? She said, well, I discovered when she plays the clarinet, she can't sing. So I've discovered there are two types of people on worship on Sunday morning when we talk about singing in church. There are those who love to sing. They'll sing anytime the doors are open. They'll sing anytime that the music is played. And then there are those who'd rather someone hand them a clarinet. Because, see, I think sometimes we've forgotten how important singing is 
to our spirits and our souls, but also to the body of Christ. See, Paul doesn't just throw this in. He, he's not just adding something along. Paul understands that this is not something new, that God has always commanded believers to sing. And it's a matter of the spiritual health and well-being of the believer and the church. I want to let you know that you can always tell whether or not a church is healthy, whether or not its church is unified, whether or not a church is seeking God by their singing. Is there a joyful noise being made when they gather together corporately? Singing is important. God has always said that music has been important. Psalms 32, 11 declares, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Psalms 105 proclaims, Give thanks to the Lord, call on His name, make Him known among the nations what He has done. Sing to Him, sing praise to Him, tell of His wonderful acts. Glory in His holy name, let the hearers of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in His strength and sing with all your might. Psalms 149 commands this, Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song. For his praise needs to be sung in the assembly of the saints. And let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with a tambourine in the heart. For the Lord takes delight in his people. And he crowns the humble in the salvation. Let their saints rejoice in his honor and sing for joy all the Lord. You see, singing Not just coming and mumbling, not just coming and going through the motions, not just using the words. God wants his people to sing. And Paul is telling us clearly here that someone who is filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit will sing. Now, I'm not trying to bring guilt or bring indictment on you. I'm trying to help you get free here this morning. Let me repeat that. I'm not indicting you on how well you sing or how much you sing. I'm trying to help you get free to understand that one of the expressions of a Holy Spirit-filled believer is that they are going to proclaim the name of the Lord with their mouth. See, God wants his children to sing. We sing because we're filled with gladness. We sing because all the blessings that he gave to us. Singing is such an important part of worship. Singing is such an important part of the health and well-being of the body of Christ. Is it any accident that the greatest disruption, the greatest disturbance in churches in the last 30 years has been music and music styles? The devil's not stupid. The devil knows that all through the Bible God commands his children to sing and to worship and to pray unto him and and give with a loud voice all of your heart to him. But he also knows that if we spend all our time selfishly arguing over my preference and my style and what I like and what I want, we are denigrating and destroying the unity of the body and what God has called us to be. And we're seeing churches over the last 30 years split, churches destroyed, churches shutting their door all over the aspects of music. That's how important it is to the body of Christ. We've been so self-absorbed in, in, in whether or not there's instruments or whether or not it, it, we sing a song three times or two times or whether we sing four hymns and one worship song. We've been so self-absorbed that we've lost our voice. 
And we've lost our mission. We've lost our vision. A study came out this week that said people in the last 10 years have been leaving the church in droves. Because we've closed our eyes to the Word of God and the truth of God. People say, well, what do we do? Should we do more programs? Should we do more razzle-dazzle? People don't want that. They want to see the church being the church. And part of the church being spirit-controlled is in the way that we worship and how we worship. I'm not talking about style. I'm not talking about preference. I'm talking about the hearts of the believers. And Paul says the heart of a believer who is sold out to God will always sing. One of the most famous singers in Scripture is a little shepherd boy who liked to play the harp. Not one that you would ever imagine that God would choose to make king of Israel. He ended up writing most of the Psalms that we have in the Old Testament. He was known as a man after God's own heart, and he was also known as a worshiper. He was a singer. Why did David sing? David sang because he had a song in his heart. Sadly, many people in the church today think that singing is for trained singers. The Bible teaches that singing is for believers in Jesus Christ. All believers. David sang because he had a song. You see, the question for the church today is not, do you have a good voice? The question for the church today is, do you have a song? Because if you have a song, then you can't keep it down. Those of you that had kids that went and saw Frozen, you know what I'm talking about. How many times did you tell your kid to stop singing? I don't want to hear it anymore, but it gets stuck in their head and they, all of a sudden they're over there and they're, I mean, they're on the potty and they're singing, let it go, let it go, right? You're like, that song is driving me. But see, they had a song. And when you have a song in your heart, you can't help but sing. And for the believer, when you allow the Holy Spirit to take control of every area of your life and you realize it's not about me, it's about all that he's done for me, that he loved me in spite of myself and that he gave me grace and mercy and unconditional love, I can't help but have a song. And the only reason some of us aren't singing is because we've shut down the joy that the Holy Spirit's trying to let loose. See, David had a song. Singing will transform you. It's not just a declaration of joy. When you begin to sing, you can't help but allow joy to come in. People say, I don't feel like singing this morning. It's not a matter of how you feel. You don't sing because you feel. You sing because of who he is. And the moment you start singing, it's amazing that joy begins to come. You see, we sing because we have a soul, because we have a song, and it gives us strength. It encourages us. Singing brings us together. See, music was never created to divide us. It was always created to unite us. When we come together in the body of Christ and we sing these songs, a declaration, we are unified in our belief. We are declaring. You know, we may have all kinds of things that we disagree on. But when we come together and we begin to sing with one voice, we declare to the community, we declare to one another who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. We sing because we have a song. Now listen to me. That doesn't mean you have to like every style of music. Doesn't mean you have to like every form of worship. There are a lot of things, a lot of styles that I don't like. A lot of things, you know, I find myself, the older I get, the more things that I, I struggle with, the styles of music especially. 
But here's the thing according to Scripture. If it's a blessing to someone else in the body of Christ, you know what? I need to be blessed because it's a blessing to them because we are one body. And shame on me. Shame on me if I curse by my attitude or my facial expression or by my words something that is a blessing to another believer. You see, people that are under the control of the Holy Spirit know better. It's past time we allow all the problems we have take voice and instead celebrate our diversity instead of allowing it to become a place of separation. We need to celebrate that we can come together and bless one another. Now listen, I know some of you, some of us, let me rephrase that. I know some of us, when we sing, it sounds like a cat caught in a screen door. And some of us don't sing out of a sense of mercy for those around us, amen? But to the Creator, and in your heart, you've got a beautiful voice. And God wants to hear it. When your kids were little and they used to come and sing songs that they made up, it didn't matter if they sang on key. Didn't matter if they knew the words. Didn't matter if it rhymed. Didn't matter if they were beating a drum or, or just singing. You wanted to hear it. Why? Because they were your child. Listen, your father wants to hear your song. He wants to hear it when you're at home by yourself. He wants to hear it when you're in the car. And he especially wants to hear it when his body gathers together as one. He wants to hear our sharing of our hearts. God commands us to sing. We sing because God's power is released in his song. See, when we begin to sing about who God is and what God can do, there is a release of the Holy Spirit power like never before. Acts chapter 16 is a perfect example. Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are preaching the gospel. They get arrested. You know the story, many of you. They get beaten. I mean, almost stoned to death. They're put in chains. They're thrown in a dungeon of a jail cell. And do you know what they did in the dungeon of that jail cell? Where they could have felt sorry for themselves and they could have blamed everybody else or they could have looked around and worried about what was going to happen. Do you know what the Bible says in chapter 16, 24, what they did? It says they started singing. It says about midnight. Paul and Silas could be heard singing, and it said, and everyone there listened. And then verse 25 tells us what happens as they sang. It says, the earth began to shake, and a great earthquake was let loose, and the doors to the prison were sprung open, and the chains on their hands and feet were broken loose. Now, did their singing cause the earthquake to happen? No. But the God who they were singing about, believing that he could do all of that stuff, did. Because you see, when you begin to come in one with the Holy Spirit inside of you and begin to believe and begin to sing, there is a power released like anything before cannot be explained. There's a power released on your spirit. Some of you that are hurting, some of you that are struggling, there is a power released through your singing. Paul is reminding us that for the spirit-controlled believer, singing is not an option. There's good news because he tells us here clearly how we're supposed to sing, what we're supposed to sing. He lists three ways that we can sing. See, you understand, God is all about variety. 
This idea that God only wants you to sing and play one certain way, I, I dare somebody to find it for me because it's not in there. Can you imagine how much the worship problems in church would have been solved if we just said, what does the Bible say? Instead of what I think or what I like or what I want or the way we've always done it before. Paul says, here's how I want you to sing and speak to each other with psalms. You know what the psalms are? They are the book of psalms, the Psalter in the Old Testament. They used to sing those songs. Many of them that David wrote. They talk about God and God's majesty and God's creation and who God is. He says, sing with songs. And he also said, sing with hymns. Now, when we say hymns in church, all the, the old Baptists and the old church people say, amen, sing the hymns, right? That's not what he's talking about. The hymns in this relation are talking about songs that were written in the New Testament that talk about Jesus. He says, sing the songs about God. Sing those new songs about Jesus that everybody's singing. And then he said, and spiritual songs. And many people discuss, what is he talking about here? But most people can agree that he's talking about songs that were written by believers testifying about what God's done in their life. These were new songs. Over 30 times in the book of Psalms, the psalmist writes, sing to the Lord a new song. Why would God tell us to sing to God a new song? Because sometimes it's the new song that gets us out of our place of comfort. Sometimes we're so used to singing the old songs that we've forgotten what the words mean. See, God's not about the style. He's not about the instrument. God is about the heart of the believer sharing everything that he has. And what are we supposed to sing? All of them. Not one better than the other, not one more important than the other. Sing them all. Sing the old hymns. Sing the psalms. Sing the new stuff. Sing it all. New songs. I love when we have new songs. Not just because we have to learn songs. And sometimes that can get tough in here. And people say, I don't know the words. I love hearing new songs because it reminds me that God does something new every day. God is revealing himself in new ways and new places to new people. And they are testifying for it. And I want to join in. You see, we need to recognize, church, that we have a song in our heart and it's time for us to let us out. Recently, we've been talking about I am a church member and what it means to be a church member. We've been talking about the new work that God is doing here and how God is rebuilding the church. How he's bringing new people in and he's establishing a church that's going to be based on biblical principles. And as a pastor, my heart is that this church would always demonstrate God's presence and God's power through our music. I don't want people to come here because we sing certain songs or because we have instruments or because our groups are talented. I want them to come here because they can have an encounter with God in worship. I also want worship to be a place that edifies and encourages. I want us to commit to making worship a place of unity where we can celebrate diversity. Instead of pulling one another down because you like hymns and I like choruses or you like choruses and I like hymns, that we can come together and celebrate that we are a part of a body of Christ that has several different styles for everybody. You see, we need to recognize that we have a song in our heart and we are called to sing. Doesn't matter if there's two people here or 200, we are called to sing. Now, I know what some of you are going to say, because this is what I say. 
Pastor, I just don't like singing. I understand all of that. I, I get that. But you don't know me. You don't know my personality. I don't like singing. Well, here's what Paul says to you. There is a Holy Spirit inside of you that does. And maybe God wants you to die to self and back up and let him create in you a vessel of praise. Paul says, sing, sing, sing. If you have a song, why is your mouth closed? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, and we thank you for, God, I believe the, the word that can set people free this morning. God, there are some of us that, I, that don't have a pretty voice according to the things of this world, that, God, we are tone deaf and can't carry a tune, and we don't know the words to the song, and, Father, uh, we can come up with all kinds of excuses, but none of those will stand when we stand before your throne. And our dad says, why didn't you sing? Father, there are some that are here that don't sing because they don't have a song this morning. God, they've allowed the things of this world to push away that song in their spirit, that song in their heart. God, there are some in here that have had a song, but they've forgotten the words. Some in here that have had a song, they forgot the tune because they hadn't sung in so long. God, I pray that we would begin to let the words of our lips, the meditations of our heart worship and praise you. God, we do have a song, and it is that Jesus died for us, that God loved us and saved us, and that we have grace and forgiveness and unconditional love this morning. There is a joy unspeakable available inside of us, and that we have the very presence of God living inside of us right now, yearning to sing, yearning to proclaim the glory and majesty of the King. God, my song, my story, let it be praising my Savior all the day long. Would you stand and worship with us? This is my story. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior, and all the day long, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior. sense it? Did you sense that presence, that power, that unity? It's not just my story, it's your story. And so guess what? It's our story. And when it becomes our story, it becomes a part of something bigger than I could ever imagine. And when I sing our story, when I declare our story, there is a power in the Holy Spirit that is released. Some of you this morning, you got stress, you got worry, you got hurt, broken hearts. 
As we sing our story, those things can wash off of you if you'll take your hands off of them and get lost in it. Whatever you're worried about, whatever you're downtrodden about, whatever you're beaten up over, this morning as we sing our story and our song, let that just be washed away. Let the blood and the presence of the Holy Spirit just take that off of you. So we're going to sing that one more time with the music and then let's sing it once without it. And I just want that to be your declaration and you just to let the power and presence of the Holy Spirit wash over you. If you haven't been singing, I understand. It's tough, especially for men. But that's not an excuse. Let it begin in your heart and work to your lips. Try it. You might be surprised. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior and all the day.